Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to Umlink Energy Speaks Back, powered by Hark. My name is Paul Webb. I'm the founder of B2B Energy, and I'm your host. And weekly, I present to you experts from around the world. Welcome to episode 90, and to celebrate the great milestone, we have yet another special for you. And this special is going to be a very close friend of mine, Dr. Catherine Bordino, who is going to become the host. And we've had a bit of a turntable here, and she actually interviews me. And I will be going through my insights into energy management. So I hope you really enjoy what you're going to be discussing today. Our purpose, as always, is to provide a good understanding of energy management knowledge from around the world, which is available today for us to deliver savings that impact on our planet. On our journey of knowledge sharing, we would like to thank our sponsors, who are Park Systems, renowned for their energy software, Clean Energy Revolution, for their knowledge and networking through LinkedIn, B2B Energy, for the Level Week Energy Program, Lexus Energy for the power management, led by Vision for their LED and controls, Simewatts for the electronics EV transition, Carbon Black Global for their waste to energy initiatives, Cinefex for their insulation coating, SmartCool for their AC initiatives, and Umlink who are taking the confusion out of energy management. And lastly, our certificate partners, Esther Energy. I am today's special guest, and I am an expert focusing on energy management. So without any further ado, I give you episode 90. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Omlink Energy Speaks Back, powered by Hark. My name is Dr. Catherine Bodino. I'm the founder of Bodino Enterprises Limited, and I'm your guest host. In fact, I'm turning the tables today uh, with the lovely Paul Webb. More of that in a minute. Weekly Energy Speaks Back presents to you experts from around the world. And today I'm in the UK, in London, with a special guest. Our purpose, as always, is to provide a good understanding of energy, management knowledge from around the world, which is available today for us to deliver savings that impact on our planet. And I would actually say on our wallet. Welcome to our special guest in this episode to Ormlake Energy Speaks Back, powered by Hark. And my special guest today is a global energy manager an author, and a podcaster. So uh, without further ado, I'll give you Paul Webb. Hello, Paul. How are you today? I'm very well, Catherine, and thank you for taking on the, the honour of being my um, guest host today. My pleasure. So let us know a bit more about your background and wh- where did you start all this? 42 years ago. I left, um, I left school and I can always remember my dad come running into the, uh, my dad used to work night work at, at Ford's Motor Company and he come running into the, um, the house with, with the, the local paper and he said, 
oh, look, they're looking for apprentices at the, the nuclear power station, uh, which is quite close to where I live. He said, oh, son, you've got to get into energy. Energy is the future for what, you know, energy is the future, basically. And I'm thinking, okay, dad, yeah, I'll, I'll look at that. And obviously it went on the side and yes, I applied for the job and I was uh, appointed as an apprentice with the CGB in uh, these 42 years ago, working at a nuclear power station. But because I was 16, I wasn't allowed to go to the power station until I was 18. So I had to do two years of working in a coal-fired power station, which was absolutely a culture shock because I've never seen so much dust. And, you know, we used to shower after work. And then when we got home from work, have a have to have a bath or something because we was covered in dust, basically, even, you know, breathing in dust all day long. But when I got to the nuclear power station, it was just amazing. We could eat at dinner off the floors, basically. It was so clean. Um, but it had to maintain being clean because of the, obviously, radiation and contamination. And I really learned about um, the difference between coal-fired power and clean energy uh, at a very early time in my career. Now, from there, I um, obviously, I've done my apprenticeship and then I've done my electronics and engineering uh, background. I've become an electronics, electronic, electrical electronics engineer. And then from there, um, I was working night shift, similar to my dad. Um, but I used to walk around that power station at night, and I used to hear the power station physically screaming. And I used to think, why are we using and generating all this energy at night on the supply side when obviously there was a demand for it? Um, 24 hours a day, our power station would be generating, and it used to generate for local, the local area of, of Essex. Um, and then I started to think, um, you know, I needed to be doing something different in my life regarding energy management. And I started, and this is a bit of a joke to myself, really. I, I don't know whether I went on to the dark side or went on to the light side. Was I on the dark side or, or am I on the dark side now? I don't know. Um, you know, I'll, I'll leave the audience to judge that. But um, and that's when I decided to to learn about energy management and really controlling energy. And throughout my career, really, it's hasn't. It's only been the last five years we've been talking about the environment um, and saving the environment and the planet. But you've mentioned it yourself just then. It's about the pocket, and and really, for me, throughout my career, is about saving money on on your bottom line. That's excellent, and it's news, I'm sure, to all our listeners' ears. Um, so, what are your top tips? So my top tips really do start at the basics. And um, we, as individuals, whether we're um, working in a business or we're working uh, or it's at our homes, we can't manage energy until we start to monitor it and measure it. So I always start off by looking at review. And we really do need to review our energy um, and review how much we're paying, review how much the, the consumption is, review what our contracts are, and actually just taking a step back. So energy management for me is a journey, and the journey starts with review. And then once we've done review, we need to look at realigning what we have there to what we're actually using as an organization or at home. And I'm, I'm going to be talking about home and the organization and bring this into to both um, areas. 
And then once we realign, we then start focusing on reducing energy uh, consumption. I must say at this time that when I talk about energy, it's gas, electric, and water. I always incorporate water into the equation of energy because to get sorry paul to interrupt you that's interesting because i and i'm I'm glad you've clarified that point because when people think energy and it may be because of the present uh uh, crisis we're having in the ukraine etc people forget about water so it's good you mentioned that too particularly now that we have to pay for our water according to our consumption well, we pay to use water. We pay to put it into the sewage. Huh? And we're paying to heat that water as well. Uh-huh. Um, so if you've got a leak or it's dripping or a dripping tap, uh-huh. <clears throat> you've got free costs there. And there's also the treatment behind that. So the cost around, so people forget or don't realize that that water hasn't just arrived at your tap. We've had to take it from the mountains it has to arrive into a reservoir we've had to pump it from that reservoir from a to b so there's electricity being used it's been treated you know we don't just drink water straight from the clouds we, it has to go through some sort of cleansing process and we have to treat that so there's a lot of carbon footprint that has to go through to actually get it from them reservoirs to our um our taps and we people take that for granted and I was talking about it suddenly yesterday. I, um, I interviewed someone um, from a, the water industry and we take it for granted. And I done a presentation to some African people about how to do an energy assessment. And I walked people through like a virtual assessment with loads of pictures. And I was showing them pictures of dripping taps and taps that were running and plant rooms that were flooded. And they were horrified because water is even more precious the, the oh, more we take it around the globe. Absolutely. Yes, I mean, that water, as you say, it's only in countries like Africa and or places like Africa and the Middle East that one really starts to understand the value of water. Exactly. So if I understand properly and correctly, you're therefore transferring the knowledge you've had for the industrial and commercial world to people's homes yes yes you're using the same skills the same principles is that correct exactly there's no need to do it any different way um the technologies are diluted down but there are very similar technologies you know um for instance let's let's talk so i like um energy management projects that provide an impact and what i mean by that is when you you walk into a room so for instance turning your lights on and off doesn't necessarily provide an impact to the the people working or the people living in your house. Yes, we've got lesser lighting, but putting things in like LEDs, that makes a massive impact because you can walk into a room and you notice a big difference, the color, um, the brightness of of the the room, et cetera. I remember I put LEDs once in my kitchen and my girlfriend walked in and she said, oh, have you just decorated in here? I went, no, it's the LEDs and the, the impact on it. I like energy savings that provide an impact. Um, but there's a lot of energy savings that we can be doing in our home and at our organisations that don't necessarily show impact. But the big impact is to the bottom line. 
So you were saying about LEDs and you are so right. I understand exactly what your girlfriend was saying because a chum of mine who's in the lighting industry, but big scale and bespoke, very kindly got fed up of the lighting in, in my uh, sitting room and changed it completely. It's, it's just unreal. It's yeah. unreal. And it's cheaper. Yeah, well, it's significantly cheap. And there's, there's other hidden benefits there as well because the LED lights will last longer. Yeah. Um, and what will happen is you won't need to, so you'll, you'll have less maintenance. There's possibly less heat being given off. So sometimes in commercial buildings with, you know, when you're sitting there, you're getting heat from the lighting, existing lighting that would go. There is heat being built up from the LEDs. Don't get me wrong, but that's all going up mm -hmm. rather than going down from the, from the lens of the light. So you're getting reduced air conditioning costs, reduced maintenance cost. The building's looking a lot better and you're making significant savings. Now we can take it another level regarding control. So I've put controls in my house. I've used a, a system called uh, Lightwave, um, which can be bought from Maplins and um, online through Amazon. Very simple to be uh, to set up. And there's ranges of that. So you can go a Lightwave system for just a simple setup in your house or you can migrate through more of a complex system in your house or in, a, in an organization with Lutron. So there's various different organizations that provide controls. Now, when you're looking at controls, you're then bringing in another form of saving. So we're going to uh, control the lighting with, a, with proximity. So if you're not in a room, it's the light's going to go off. You're going to dim, and by dimming, the lighting is going to save energy plus increase the life cycle of the, of the lamp as well. So there's all different things you can start to do. Now, my, if you, just very rule of thumb figures, LEDs will give you a 50% saving. If you then put control on top of that, you're going to get another 25% on top of that again. So you're getting 75% saving just by simply controlling the lights. Now, the, the technologies I've talking about, there's many of them on the market. I'm saying Lightwave and Lutron because they're the ones that I've used and got lots of experience with them. They're like a Lego pack. Now, we may be showing our age here, Catherine, but when you look at Lego, you can buy one little block of it, okay, and you can do make something from the blocks, say. If I wanted to build on that more, I'll buy some more Lego blocks. And that's exactly what we're doing here with the likes of these technologies. Um, and that goes for BMS as well. You build up on, don't go and invest all this money in controls. So for instance, your apartment there, don't invest thousands of pounds on the controls. You will, it will pay for itself, but you're better off easing your way into this process. And it's like we've putting your LEDs in. Go and buy one or two if you've got no LEDs at all, if you wanted to put all LEDs in your house, it's going to cost you probably 500 pounds, say. But if you go and add an LED every time you go and do your, your weekly shopping, you won't see the impact to your wallet straight away. Mm. But what you will do, you'll get the impact of it every time you put the light in. And then every week it starts. And before you know it, six months into your shopping, your whole house may have LEDs. So do it gradually. That's really a good point. Uh, 
and um, very good for, as you say, the pocket. Um, I feel nowadays with the present environment we're living in, it's not just about saving for ourselves. I think it's saving for the nation and any dependency we might have on foreign sources of energy. So your, your solutions, your tips are actually good for the, for the country, not just for one's own office premises or homes, whatever, and should not be overlooked in any respect. The, um, let's talk about the nation because we, yes, we've got uh, the energy crisis as it is currently has been many, many, um, many, many aspects have brought that up upon us, basically. Mm. We've had and many years of, it's not an overnight. Uh, no, again. no. You know, we've in the UK. So let's just look at the last uh, 12 months of what's impacted on energy and energy costs are impacted by not just the suppliers deciding how much profit they want within their organizations energy price you know so the energy is actually uh, traded as a commodity um and it trades between sort of nine and and, and five the hours are slight i'm just doing it simplifying those hours and it can be impacted by events around the world as we know we're seeing events currently that's impacting on it but uh, it can also be impacted by the weather so let's look at this last summer okay wasn't a great summer and funny enough we didn't have enough wind for the industry and what was happening was because our wind our i'll call them wind turbines because our wind turbines wasn't spinning and generating that energy we were relying more on our gas to generate the electricity. What that meant then was our storage of gas was going down and we were, didn't have enough gas for the, for the winter for the heating. Now, the UK had decided, that, uh, the government had decided that they weren't going to invest any more money in subsidiaries regarding um, subsidising um, for storage. So they had to shut some of the storage down. So we... We didn't have enough wind. We lost a lot, half of our storage facilities. So we couldn't store the gas. So we couldn't buy enough gas. So we are reliant on how much gas storage. So this crisis we're going through currently isn't going to be an overnight thing. If everything was, uh, was addressed overseas regarding the Ukraine crisis, doesn't mean that we're going to be back straight, going back to normality regarding our pricing. What's going to happen is that we're going to have to play catch up because we haven't got the storage. So we can't just go and get loads of gas. We've got our own gas. I don't think people realize that we have got our own gas um, in the North Sea. So there's loads of different aspects making this up. But, I, you know, sadly, I think we're here. This is going to become the new normal regarding um, energy prices. And I interviewed um, David Loveday, um, and he was going through and explained about the new normal. And it's like can you, everything. Can you, for the benefit of our audience, can you explain who David? Um, so David Loveday is a trader um, regarding energy, and he trades it. He lives and breathes energies. Experts around uh, the world that 
focus on these different areas and and we've engaged with david and he's done a podcast for us and and gone through that i've written some articles around the new normal as well it's like petrol you know i remember a couple of years ago i put filled up my petrol i had a joke with the the lady behind the um the counter saying i'm going to take this home and frame this this um this bill because it's 99 pence a litre. I haven't seen 99 pence a litre since I've started driving. And I'm now, you know, I'm 58 years of old age. And there I am since 17, never seen 99 pence. We're paying nearly 180 for a litre of petrol now. Yeah. And it becomes the new normal, which is unbelievable, really. No, it's, and it's not acceptable. What we need to do is start managing that better. And... Uh- I really liked what you were explaining about these the management of light um, and the tips for that. What about insulation? Would you open your doors on a cold day and let all the hot air out into the street? Quite. You don't. So you so insulation is very important, and you know. For businesses, when they've got um, plant rooms, for instance, you walk into a plant room. If that plant room's very hot, you can probably tell that that heat and the insulation in that building. See, again, it, that this is an impact thing because you can't see insulation regarding whether it needs to be, whether it's decaying, etc. So you can feel it. You can feel the impact on it. Um, and you'll be able to see that in plant rooms. When you walk into a plant room, they're the first areas to that I would look at regarding the temperature in them them areas and in, in the home. I, I see many many home with the they've got the nice immersion tank all wrapped up, mm. all insulated, but then all the pipes coming out of it aren't um, insulated. Now because of that, you've got um, additional radiators in your immersion now the immersion cupboard's great because that's where you dry your clothes but really what you're doing you're wasting your heat to dry your clothes what you should be doing is putting lagging around those and you can buy the lagging from the local do-it-yourself shops and and do it yourself that's something you can do yourself to be honest with you and uh, what about smart meters so the smart meter um legislation and the the process of us all having smart meters has slowed down um and in some cases it's disappeared i i had a smart meter installed on my last house um but unfortunately i changed from one supplier to the other and they deemed it to be not able to communicate i don't understand the case that they couldn't communicate with it because they wanted to change it now Unfortunately, technologies of smart meters and the communication links, it's like asking your Apple phone to talk to an Android phone. Yes, yes. There's a difference. And yes. unfortunately, um, when they introduced the legislation, they didn't have, well, we have there, there is standards, but these standards uh, have gone a little bit of drift, really, because of the, the volume that needs to be implemented. Yes. And... There, there was a standard of, of SMET 1 and SMET 2, which goes through all the legislation of what needs to be um, put in place. Now, the, the original smart meter um, could actually be dialed in from remote and it could be turned off. So that is a security issue. So we've got security 
and everything all starts to come into play here because you've got access to data from uh, people's bills and things and names and addresses and accounting. We've also got um, the, the security of them actually coming in and turning your energy off. Can you imagine someone from overseas coming to the UK and hacked all our systems and turned all our energy off? That's, you know, a no-no, basically. So there's loads of legislation around there, and it's slowed it down. However, when you have got smart metering, you don't need to have the full-blown smart meter implemented by the supplier itself. You can go and buy very cheap smart meters that can plug into um, from the likes of Amazon or eBay. Um, make sure you're getting a good quality accredited one. But you can buy one of these units and go around to your own house and do your own testing. So smart meters are the way forward, but we're not up to speed with that specifically in the UK. And the UK globally is ahead of uh, the global um, sort of uh, approach to this. Yes, deployment. Yes. Yeah. Um, and we talk about all this technology here and there, you know, radiators and what have you. What about simple clothing? The amount of t- yeah. So my girlfriend's, my girlfriend's tie, so my heating in my house has to be quite high. Yes. Um, because of obviously what she's used to. Now, my clothing, you can see today I'm in a T-shirt. Um, yeah. But, you know, really what I should be doing is wearing a jumper. Um, so clothing does play a big part of it, um, especially in commercial world. So in commercial buildings, you go into a, an office area and someone will be sitting there with thin clothes on and someone will have a coat on and someone will be moaning that they're too hot, too cold. There is an approach to dressing appropriately regarding um, the right temperature settings. I, I don't design um, buildings or, or get the, the clients to shut their building down um, so everyone has to wear a coat. It's like, it's like asking someone to put a candle on their, um, on their desk for lighting, isn't it? Well, you're talking to somebody who um, researched her PhD during the three-day week. Right. Uh, yes. So, yep. yes, candles did come into play. Coats came into play because there was no heating either. So, yes, I, I, I relate to the clothing bit. Maybe that's why I brought it up as well. When I worked for the, the Met Police, we... Um, we had loads of complaints about we we was installing building management systems and that was quite um the innovation there was unbelievable we was ahead of the game really um, exactly. we're talking in the 80s we put mm-hmm. building management mm. he was controlling the air conditioning and, and the heating argument i've got many of a story about this um two stories okay so first story is um we had control rooms that are being maintained to a set level very accurately and the the desired level was exactly what needed to be carried out but Mm -hmm. the people within the control room were saying well no it's too hot or it's too cold Mm -hmm. so we would constantly show them graphs so just putting graphs on the wall would actually demonstrate to them oh i can see you know, every morning we'd print out a graph to show them what, what it did yesterday. So they say, oh, it was too cold yesterday. But there's the graph showing exactly. So 
providing visibility to temperatures is very key. We also gave them a temperature gauge to adjust. And we said, if it's cold, put it to plus. If it's hot, put it to negative. That worked perfectly because they were in control and there was no complaints about it. We didn't connect it. We just gave them a knob to actually adjust. So sometimes the mind helps here. I don't think we'd be able to get away with that these days. But, um, and also we gave them a temperature film that would actually change color based on the temperature um, within that area. So what that did, it would say, this is the minimum value and this is the maximum value. And it would give us a scale. And if that was in the, um, the, in the middle and provided an average temperature, it would, it stopped all the complaints. We used to get loads of complaints, but by just by putting them indicators in that were real time, it diffused the situation and it stopped people from saying we're too hot, we're too cold because they they feel that they were too hot, too cold. Look at the, the telltale and then say, I want to, well, I am too cold, but it's still within the, required parameters things like that do address the what you're trying to achieve so you're trying to achieve something at a very high level but when you go down to the low level you're going to need telltale points to just keep it on track yes um this is all i mean so useful and you make it, everything sound so simple um it's so clear what, the way you, you announce it and, and, and deliver. But I'd like to finish this uh, interview with um, highlighting, uh, so it's over to you, your 11-week energy uh, uh, challenge. Go on. So I would. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for mentioning that. I think I remembered an interview I did with you, and I mentioned your book during that interview, didn't I? So, yes, um, so I've written a book about the 11 week energy program and it's 11 weeks how you take an organization but if you was to read it you could apply it to your home as well mm. but this takes an organization through 11 weeks of energy management now i always explain to organizations from my first day of walking into their buildings energy management is a journey you need to focus on this journey. Don't just say, right, we need solar on the roof. We need to turn everything off. We can't do that. We, we have to take it very simply. And thank you for highlighting the fact that I make it sound very simple because I do simplify everything. I think that is important to have that approach. Oh. So 11 weeks is um, so I mentioned earlier the, uh, my four principles of review, realign, reduce, and report. So they're the principles. The 11 weeks is a process of how I deliver those principles. And point one is where we build like and trust as, a, as an expert with the organization. We uh, work with them to show them what their expectations are. We look at their the background of what they're looking for we look at the scope you know because the scope of what they want to achieve could could vary because we could be either looking at a, um, a commercial building 
or commercial building and re retail stores and warehouses and various different um, different types of organizations. We all know that all organizations aren't the same. So we, we go through the introductions, really build the like and trust there. That's important. We then show them the whole story regarding the process of the 11 weeks. So they've got an understanding and an expectation of what to see. We then go into collecting the data. We then plan. So from the data, we start to plan how we're going to achieve this. We then look at uh, profiling. So we take all the data and we start to graph it and look at where they've come from, where they are today and where we want to take them. We then carry out an assessment. Um, and that assessment will be going to the, the properties or within the properties. And we look at heating, cooling, lighting, power, energy management. And of course, we look at water. Then from there, the assessment, we build a action plan. Now, the action plan is critical because we need to have a plan of how we're going to deliver possibly net zero. And that will be broken down to no cost savings, medium cost savings, and lastly, capital cost. And we'd have that all mapped out. Now, in the past, that is where it stopped. The 11-week energy program takes it to the next level of implementation. Now, we must look to implementing reports that have been carried out in the past and now. You know, we can't just keep building up report after report and leaving them on the, the shelves to gather dust. We need to start looking at implementation now. So we look at implementation, monthly reviews, where we are, we put together uh, indicators. Now, I use simple traffic-like uh, indicators regarding red, we haven't started this, amber, we've started looking at it, and green, we've delivered it. And then the next stage, now, by the way, every stage of this 11 weeks, I always say to my uh, students, so I'm going through this, this is the most important week. And they laugh at me. And then I explained to them the reason why they're the most important weeks. If you was building a house, you, you had no foundation or you've got no first floor, you've got no wood. All these stages are key to each other. They hold each other together. So the last stage is the measurement and verification where we measure and verify the savings we've made. And then if we haven't made the savings, we need to then go back and look at what, what we've done and, and address that. Um, and then from there, you know, I, I talk about the implementation side, why we're investing all this time if we're not going to do something about it. And we've got to do something about it nowadays. We've got our pockets to consider and we've got climate change to think about going forward. So finally, the, the 11 weeks finishes on the 11 weeks, but then it trickles back to start again. So it's a complete circle the way we've, we've put that together. Thank you. Um, fascinating and, and so practical as well. So um, tell me, how do people choose the type of contracts they get into for their energy supply? So Catherine, that's a very good question because there are 
there were 19. I don't know how many now because um, we've lost a few suppliers. Um, but say there's about 19 suppliers in the UK alone. And mm. those 19 suppliers have various different products that they mm. offer. Now, you could either have a fixed contract, you can have a variable contract, you can have various different types of contracts out there. And it, it, it is down to the individual of what type of uh, contract you have in place, whether you're risk, you like risk and you want to challenge the, the marketplace, you like playing the markets, or you're risk averse and you just want to fix. For me, I fix every time. I think that's important because... I've been on the end of all these crises. I've been, been here for 42 years. I've seen the market go up and down. I've seen it constantly. The market has constantly risen um, for many, many years, and it will always rise. So you need to have the understanding that the market always rises. So why, why try to play the market when you can fix it? That's me personally. There's loads of advisors and experts would say, well, no, take a chance because it's it's – so I don't mind going risk when I see it's a falling marketplace. Everyone would take that opportunity, but it has a habit of the switch flicks, excuse my pun, and then it, we see the market start to rise again. So um, there's some really good tips here, actually, for looking at your bills. So when you pick your bill up, whether you're in a business or you're at home, remember the word wreck, Okay. Now, REC, we're going to do a recce on our bills, okay? REC. <laughs> REC. So we're going to do a recce on our bills, and it's REC, yeah. R-E-C. The R mm -hmm. is the rate. Look at your rate. Is that rate high or low, or are you comfortable with that rate? If I was looking at a rate, obviously I would be comparing it with all the other uh, bills and things I've looked at recently. And then I'm going to look at estimation, which is my biggest bugbear in the industry because meters get estimated. And if we don't provide a customer read or it isn't read for some reason, the suppliers will estimate your bill. Nine times out of 10, it will be overestimated. So well, you're going to have a clawback on your actual bill. So if you see the letter E next to your figure, or it says estimate, go to your meter, take a picture of it, or have a look at a meter reading, have a look at your bill, compare the difference. If the meter's less, then you've got to get that addressed. If it's more, I would still try to get that addressed because they will catch up with you one day. So don't try and play the game with it just make sure that that is in line. Um, as I say, one time out of that 10, I've actually seen it, but nine times out of 10, it's normally the wrong way. And then what we find is the, um, the savings that we've made are significant. I've saved a large organization 50,000 pounds on their water because it was being estimated wrongly. I've saved an organization 7,000 pounds. £7,000 straight into your bottom line is a significant amount of value of money to receive. Um, so just keep on top of it. And that's a good, good best practice, really. And then lastly, contract. Now, 
there's a word to look for on your contracts, which says the word deemed. If you ever see the word deemed on your bill, you know you're out of contract and you're on deemed rates. Deemed rates means that you're possibly paying going to be 90 pence per unit. And we're seeing 42 Ps currently. So that's significantly doubled the amount of energy. So you could be paying, if you see the word deemed, you could be paying double for your energy currently, if you see that right. word. So you need to look at the word, the contract, look for the, now by legislation, the, um, the contract date should be on your bills now. And they should be telling you when your contract's up for renewal. Mm -hmm. um, and if you see that you're coming up close, then start to look. Um, as an organization, um, you can obviously try to uh, work with the suppliers, but I would always lean back on an expert, a trusted expert. And there's various different ways of how you can find a trusted expert, not someone that picks the phone up and rings you on a regular basis to say, can we do your energy? Someone who will sit down with you. You've actually seen the color of his eyes. You've got a relationship. You've built the like and trust with them. That mm. is important regarding the, the brokerage side of this industry. Um, so I would work with an expert on this to make sure that you have a strategy and build a strategy and have a strategy at home, how you do your energy. You know, I've met quite a few people recently that have got their own strategy of how they purchase their energy and things like that. Interesting. And <clears throat> I've really enjoyed this interview, Paul. Thank you so much. As I say, you make everything sound so simple and so clear and I love the fact that we've come from talking about actual instruments, actual physical objects, to the broader um, geopolitical and um, situation. And the sort of, I would call it a domino effect, how one thing impacts on another at all these different levels. So thank you very much, Paul Webb, from B2B Energy. Thank you. Thank you, Catherine, and thank you for the opportunity to be interviewed by you today. Pleasure. And lastly, for all my listeners, please stay safe. And Catherine, you and your family stay safe in these times. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.